I just wanted to touch on something that came out during worship, which was, um, again, this idea of a light burden and an easy yoke, and just um, just to talk about the culture of light hap and the way that we've really intentionally made choices towards it being a light burden and an easy yoke, and um, and and resisting the oft. Um, misused and abused idea of excellence, which is um, kind of rampant in the church, which means um, if we work hard, it will get polished and looked really good, and that is nicer for people. Um, and we've, we've made a choice to go um, in another direction. And so um, just, I don't know, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to highlight this. You know, we don't have an extra worship practice during the week because it's a heavy it's a heavy burden, so we just do it an hour before. Um, and, you know, like downstairs, I ran out of steam in time to finish. Like, there's still painter's tape around those doors down there, and I will get that. <laughs> but um, just like, and, and it, I know the Lord is saying this because Steph brought it up when she was um, sharing about the announcements, which was like, it'll get to when it's gotten to, and this is something that I really struggle with, which is not putting more flesh in it, into letting, letting the Lord dictate how, and, how much and when we work here, um, because the point of here is to enjoy his presence, um, which is actually what I am going to talk about. So it's all, it's all melting together, but I, um, yeah, uh, so I think I'm going to pray about that. So Lord, just thank you for um, not just the words in this book that said light burn and easy yoke and the, the, the songs with the catchy light burn and easy yoke, but the way you've unfolded it in each of our lives, um, God, the many, many times I know it's come to the rescue, many times, hundreds of times probably, just that phrase that, wait, I'm not doing this God thing right because it's supposed to be a light burn and easy yoke and it doesn't feel light right now and it brings us back around and so and th thank you for um congregationally the way that we have you have led us in that in this place lord the people um who have you, just the way that we bring each other back to it and remind each other of it um this value that you have for us about this light burn and easy yoke and and god we know um there's so much work um there's good work for our hands to do, and we want to do that, God. Um, we don't want to give in to laziness, but we know that you have put a restraint and boundaries around us, and so we just thank you for those boundaries that keep us safe um, in Jesus' name. All right, this is going right into what I'm going to talk about, and um, this might feel a little clunky because the Lord gave it to me yesterday. I was totally going to talk about something else. Um, and then he changed, so I don't know how long this will be. Okay, great. Just so you know, Elisha, don't know how long this is going to be. Um, yesterday, I was, such this week was so busy. It was just nuts, just one of those weeks, like, ah. Um, and kind of glad it was over, and I said, Tom, I'm going to, I know I've got that message that I need to get around, and I've got things here that I want to do, but I just wanted to go and leave the house and do something that I enjoy for a minute, um, and I ended up like going to thrift stores, and that was my thing that I enjoyed that I was going to go do for a minute, for an hour or two, um, you know, before I picked Daniel up for work, and, um, and I was driving, and I prayed... Um, 
my, my thoughts in the morning are full of the Lord to one degree or another. Like I'm in conversation with him, I think, when I wake up about something. Um, and so this was a little bit later in the morning. I can't really remember what any of my conversation with the Lord, if I had much of any um, before this, but I'm in the car and I'm settled down enough to go, God, um, and what I prayed was, I want to spend time enjoying your presence today. Can I spend time just enjoying your presence today? Um, and this is an unusual prayer for me. And I might say things like, we all struggle with this. And you might be like, I don't, does not sound like I struggle with this as much as you do, John. And that's okay, because we all have different things. But this is not normally something that I would pray. Um, typically, I feel like I'm thinking, I got a problem I'm talking to him about. Um, I've got stuff in my heart that I know we've been talking about. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. I just, I just, I, I just thought of that person, and I was criticizing them. And I, yeah, I don't like doing that. God help me. I don't want to criticize people. Uh, I'm not as generous as I want. You know, kind of those kind of, or uh, like the, I don't know what to, I got this thing going on, and uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do about it. God, um, please give me wisdom about this. You know, there's all manner of conversation that it's a relationship. He's a person. We're a person. It's a relationship. And there's all manner of conversations that you can be having with God. And But this one, this idea of, God, I want to spend time enjoying your presence today. It, it felt really interesting. I feel like I don't get that far. The furthest I typically will get was God... Help me to feel loved by you today. I don't feel loved. Help me to feel loved by you. Or help me to know that you enjoy my presence. Because I don't, I struggle with believing that. But this felt like it was beyond that. Like, help me to just, can I? And it wasn't help me. I just said, can I spend time just enjoying your presence today? Like, can I just take a break from all the other conversations and enjoy your presence today? Um, and, and it reminds me a lot, like, you know, we're, we're mostly married folk, or if not, you know, you've got parents, you've got siblings, you're in relationships with all kinds of people. Um, but if you've ever actually finally made time to go on a date night, and then all you talked about were your problems and your kids, and like, and you kind of, like, it was not enjoyable. It's not very fun. They're supposed to be enjoyment. And I, um, it was unusual enough for me that the, the Holy Spirit was like, that was me. I inspired you to ask, God, could I just enjoy your presence today? And the Lord was like, yes, you can. And then immediately I was like, oh, I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm glad nobody else is here. Now I'm telling you one day later, I'm telling you all about it. But I'm embarrassed because actually that's kind of hard for me and I don't really get it. And I was aware, like I just left the house telling Tom, you know, basically I'm going to go do something I enjoy. And the Lord is just taking this theme of enjoyment and asking me a question that's leading me deeper into him. Um, I want to tell you guys a story, which probably I feel like many of you guys know, maybe not, um, and just for the sake of the stream, our little guy who's now almost 18 and this tall um, is not little anymore, but he is autistic. Daniel was diagnosed before he was two years old, so very young. Um, and so Daniel, when he was little, the only person that would know him from then would be Abigail. And she was just 
six months older than him. So she was too little too. So she probably didn't realize, but Daniel um, got some words like on time and then he lost them. And we actually went into testing to see if he had been having seizures because sometimes like that can be an issue with like losing, um, losing words. Um, and it was, it was upsetting. I mean, it, it was not, a f- it wasn't fun. Um, and Daniel was quirky, um, even when he did kind of start talking. He did a lot of, you'll remember this, he did a lot of squeaking and squawking, and we'd call him a pterodactyl, and you'd be like, dude, let's go, and he'd be like, <laughs> and that was Daniel talking, um, which is funny, because if you know Daniel, he talks so much, <laughs> um, and is quite eloquent in his speech, but he did not talk, and um, he talked late. He did not care what your name was. I talked to him about Annie. I was telling him something about you the other day, and he's like, which one is that? He doesn't, he didn't care about names and assign them. Our cats were like the orange cat and the white cat. He called them that. Just his brain was really interesting. So he started talking later. um, And one of the, it was hard at the time, but I look back and I think it was cool, was I actually remember the first time Daniel told me he loved me. And um, I'll probably cry because it's like the sweetest memory. But he was three and a half. That's really old for a child to tell you that they love you for the first time. And um, we were sitting on the couch, just him and I. I don't know where Abriel was. Tom wasn't there. It was just him and I sitting on the couch, and we were watching a cartoon. And he, you know, he was little. He's, I remember he was sitting on my left side, and he was holding on to my arm. And we're just watching And he just said, I just love you. And that was the first time he had said it to me. And um, and the really beautiful thing is, you know, when babies are little and you're like, I love you, I love you, and then they'll mimic it back, and and that's that's valid and that's really sweet, and but it's very kind of typical. And this, I just felt it in the moment. This was coming from a really genuine place of. I wasn't doing anything for him. I wasn't, um, we weren't doing anything really together. We were, you know, the TV was on, but we were just sitting and we were, I was just there. And what he was saying was, I feel so good right now. And your presence is why I feel good. I like this. I like you. I love you. Um, and this is the kind of enjoyment the Lord reminded me of, of, Daniel saying this to me just this morning, and, I, and he's like, this is the kind of enjoyment that I was stirring up for you to ask me, this kind where um, there's, not, there's not the weight of the world in the room. There's not, it's just this easy kind of love between us where it's not the weight of the world. It's not the problems. They just kind of fade away for a time. And it's just you and I together. Um, I'm going to start in Ecclesiastes 3. And this has been coming up. I feel like Noah's brought it up a few times at least. It's coming up a lot, which is to everything there's a season. And there's a time for every purpose under heaven. And it's clear that the Lord is telling us this for a reason. And the reason is we have to ask about the season that we're in and move with the Lord It says, to everything there's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, 
There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And after this, he says, what profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He's saying, can you imagine Solomon being like, I see you guys at work. I see just the work of life. And then he says something remarkable right after. He says, God, he has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has put eternity in their hearts. Um, the seasons are really important. It's really important to move in and out of what the Lord is saying. And I, I prayed about it a little bit. Um, it is really important. And I, I'm realizing, I think I touch it very little this idea that God should be leading the conversation and every kind of conversation is really important. Like if Tom and I, if I always avoid Tom when he's trying to talk to me about money, we're going to have trouble. If he ignores me when I'm trying to talk to him about like, hey, kids stuff, I got problems with kids, we're going to have problems. You know, like it's painful when one of us is, like, hey, I love you, and wanting to be, like, huggy, and the other one's not. Like, when we are, like, ships in the night missing each other, passing each other. I don't know if that applies to that saying. I think I don't really, does that right? Do I use that right? When we're, like, just missing each other in that, it's painful. And you know, I mean, you don't have to be married to know that. You just know with your parents, with your friends, like, when we're not on the same page, it's not right. But the the thing, the difference with the Lord and and where the analogy of human relationships breaks down is he's always on the right page. Hey, <laughs> he's always right. It actually makes it more simple because um, it can cut through a lot of misunderstanding about who is right and who is wrong because it's you. That if you're on, he's always on the right page. If you're missing him, you are missing it, um, which it does make it. It's kind of painful and hard when you're like in our when we're in our pride, but it does make it kind of simple, and which is great because we're we're not that smart. Um, there was this little song. Do you guys know who Raffi is? Angie does. I knew you would know. Yes. So uh, we had this VHS tape, and it was a concert that Raffi did probably the late 70s, and we wore it out when we were kids. And, but he sang this song, and um, it, it was, um, you got to sing when the spirit says sing. You got to sing when the spirit says sing. When the spirit says sing, you got to sing right along. Sing when the spirit says sing. And it's a kid's song, so of course it goes into, you got to clap when the spirit says clap. And then you got to stomp when the spirit says stomp. Something about humming. But it, and then at the end, and it's really profound, and it, it is a song about, inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is, and you got to stop when the spirit says stop. <laughs> and... Uh, I sing this to myself when I remember that there is a time and a season to everything. And um, 
it is really important that we're letting the Lord take us in and out of, of seasons. Um, the mourning and repentance conversation, that kind of conversation with the Lord is really emphasized in this house. You could go to other places and they don't emphasize it at all or even believe that you should be having that. That's not good. Um, and we know that, right? So, but we talk about it a lot here. Um, so again, like in a marriage and talking about money, like <clears throat> you should talk about money in your marriage, but something would be wrong if that was the only thing that you ever talked about, <laughs> you know, something would be really lopsided. We talk about this mourning and repentance kind of conversation, um, I feel like maybe, Noah, you prayed about this this morning, too. Um, Just that it is something, though, that we have to actually let the Lord lead us in and out of. Like, we go in and we come back out. Um, When the Lord leads us into repentance, it does keep us from delusion. However, if, um, and I feel like this is why the Lord was really highlighting it to me, Because you can figure out, oh, like you can start making a formula. Hey, there's stuff going on in here. I would like to change. I don't like this. I'm realizing, or especially ones where uh, a whole new can of worms is open here. Like, oh, I did not know. I was so scared of that. But now, and it's been there for decades, but now I know. And now I feel like a huge mess. And I'm, it's like I just lifted up my eyes and I'm like, my whole house is a mess. And this is terrible. And I've decided, Lord, I will not give you rest until you fix me. I won't. I won't be happy. <laughs> I'm going to stay in this place of mourning until I'm clean and good, and, and I don't have to deal with this anymore. Um, that's not okay. If that was necessary, the Lord would do that, right? Right? Every time you got a can of worms cracked open and you're like, huh, he'd be like, don't you worry. You know, Steph, don't you worry. I just, I know that you just said you don't want to yell at your kids anymore. We're going to take care of it. And you'd be like, okay. And he'd be like, it's just going to take like three days. You just fast and mourn, put on that sackcloth for three days. And you're like, okay. And then he'd be like, all right, you're done. You're never going to yell at your kids anymore. Um, and... <laughs> It has not been working this way. I don't know about you guys. It's not working this way with me. And, but we can put our own self in like this weird time out where we're worried and we are heart sick about that it is happening at all and force ourselves into only having that conversation with the Lord. And I, I think that this is something that he's talking to me about right now. Um, but what lives down there, when I'm driving the conversation, is condemnation. So the thing I wanted, which was to stop being delusional and, and, and to be better, to be transformed into the likeness of the one that I'm beholding, it's like, I, and then I end up swerving and just feeling condemned all the time. If we stay there too long, we grow weary and thirsty and harsh. God starts to become a hard man I feel like I have that passage in here. It's a Luke passage. Oh, I do have it in here. We'll go there in a second. Um, Can you go to Psalm 63? Please. Thank you. 
Um, there's, there's kind of a siren song in the place of mourning, and there's different reasons that we mourn, right? Like, we can be deeply mourning our own brokenness and sin. We can be mourning tremendous loss. We can be mourning the brokenness of just other people mourning for other people. So there's, there's a lot of reasons to mourn. Um, in Psalm 63, I loved it because I had this verse in me. And then look at the title. It says, Joy in the Fellowship of God. And I was like, ooh, there we go. It says, A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. And my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. Um, physically, he's not in this awesome place. Like, he's, he's running for his life. It's, it's not great. It's the wilderness, right? That equals desert. So physically, it's a thirsty place. But he's saying, he's recognizing, like, my soul is the thing that is, like, yeah, there's problems, but really, like, on the inside, I have this soul problem. And then his answer that David comes to and why he's a man after God's heart. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary. Did he go back into town into the sanctuary? No, he's looking in the heavenly sanctuary. Why is he looking there? Because he's looking for God's power and his glory. Now, the power really makes sense because if somebody's trying to kill you, you're like, well, could use some power. (laughs) I could use some power. Maybe he's thirsty. He needs some water. God, hey, you, I know you made some water come from a rock. Maybe that kind of power. But he says he's also looking for his glory. <clears throat> and what, what good is the glory of God? I might ask you guys a lot of questions because I feel like the Lord started a conversation with me. And these are some of the questions. Why look for his glory? Like his shininess? His splendor? You know, wouldn't you be like, okay, let's do splendor later. <laughs> let's do splendor tomorrow. You know, you ever have your kids ask you something ridiculous in the middle of like, you're trying to drive and it's pouring rain and there's somebody just got hit next to you and they're like, want you to open their fruit snack or something. You're like, how about later? How about glory later? How about God? I'm just looking for some power right now. And he's like, hey, come look for my glory. I wonder what that would do to you right now if you were able to find my glory. What does it change? How often am I looking for his glory and letting it do something in me? He says right after this, because your loving kindness is better than life. See, that's what he found when he looked for his power and his glory. He was like, oh, your loving kindness. That's what he found in the sanctuary. It's better than life, so his, now his lips are praising him. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift my hands in your name. Everything's turning around, right? Like, I'm feeling the Lord's loving kindness towards me. My lips are praising. My hands are raised. And then it says, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. And this is, um, we could take a Selah moment and just pass the mic to Stephanie, who had a very long season of not being able to eat fat. How long was it? A couple of years because of a health issue. Um, How fun was that? Zero fun. Sorry, I added the zero. She said not fun, and I said zero fun. 
It's really interesting. I was just thinking this morning, actually, um, if you're dehydrated, you know, like the two things your brain needs, your brain in order to work right, you need water, you need to be hydrated, and you need fat. You need water and fat. There's something about drinking of the Lord and that fatness, like that goodness that puts you back into a right mind. And, and it keeps us from the spirit of fear. You know, this is like, Lord, the sound mind instead of a spirit of fear. And um, so the Lord is like, it just, like as he's spelling this out for me, it's becoming really practical. I do want to have a sound mind. I mean, you know what it's like when you're um, physically in a place where you're like, I should not be, <laughs> please don't listen to me. I shouldn't be making decisions. Um, I'm tired and I'm hungry and I'm, or I'm, or I'm in pain or anything. I was thinking about Job's, um, I'm going to flip to Job. You could too if you wanted. See if you feel it. Maybe if I can find Job, where's Job? You said the Old Testament. It is before, it's right before Psalms, yeah, I thought so. (laughs) You're a stinker. (laughs) Old Testament. Okay. So um, just Job, and he's a really um, interesting, that's not nice. He was in a lot of pain. It wasn't interesting. <laughs> it's not kind. <laughs> he was a real person. Um, it catches my attention that not only is he in just anguish because of great loss, his physical body was touched, tremendous loss of resources and people he loved and his body, is in this place of anguish. And he's also in incredible judgment of the Lord. Is like, I don't, it's amazing to me that he withstood that and he came through and, and didn't do what his wife suggested. Like, just curse God and die. I mean, that, that sounds reasonable when you read this. In um, chapter 30, 38, um, this is when the Lord starts to kind of dressed him down at the end of the the whole narrative. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. And then he goes on four chapters to just be like, kind of prove you don't know anything really thoroughly. So harsh. Um, And yet the Lord is good. Chapter 40, though, um, then, Job answers, then Job answers the Lord, and he says, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I've spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Skip to 42 at the very end. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do any, everything. And that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now, by my, eye, but now my eyes shall see. 
Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And then the Lord is like, great. Now we're done. He kind of, um, he starts walking him out of it. And, and Job lets him walk him out of it. The se- that season was over. And he walked him out of it. Um, he, God asked him, hey, can you, like, you need to make a sacrifice for your friends. Offer up for yourselves a burnt, uh, let's see. My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. So he's talking to the buddies. Uh, Job sacrifices for them. Let's see. And then um, in verse 10, it says, And then the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. All of his brothers and all of his sisters and all those who had been his acquaintance before came to him and ate food with, with him in his house. And they counseled him and comforted him with all the... For all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him, each one giving him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed his latter days more than his beginning. And then he, he had more stuff. He had more children. And so, like, we're not getting bonus points for, what do I want to say? putting ourselves in this timeout corner and, and, and keeping ourselves. Um, it, it does not expedite the holiness journey to keep ourselves in a place of mourning, which is the, the ditch of people who talk about repentance a lot. It, having done it for these years, I would say that that has been the ditch that I fall in, is the temptation to keep myself there because I'm like, I know that it I know it works, and we just got to, like, keep going, you know. Um, can we, Luke 19, really quick. Um, I just felt the Lord really clearly was talking to me, and maybe this would apply to you as well, but what he was telling me was that I've actually... Um, if I stay in that place too long without, like, maybe he left the room and I didn't follow him back out of it, then I'm in this, like, morning room by myself, that, that it's a, there's a pit of despair that you start sliding into, and you start believing that God is harsh, and, like, there's just a consequence for believing that he's harsh. There's the parable of the minas, um, and the man who buries it then came then another came saying master here's your mina which i have kept put away in a handkerchief for i feared you because you were an austere man or a hard man you collect what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow and and so staying in that place too long gets me and and i don't mean for it to happen but i just start kind of going like god is harsh in the way that he's not and um and to come back into truth. And, and, and what this guy did because he believed God was harsh is he shut down and he didn't participate in the ministry that the Lord had given him anymore. Like he buried, he buried it. Like, and, and this is really hard when you're like, I'm called to this kind of ministry and then you screw up in it to be like, well, never mind. I guess I won't do that anymore take my ball and go home because the pain of screwing up in it is 
exaggerated, you know, in our hearts. It can get really out of... Or then you go, like, you either give up or you get this weird place where you're just like, I will, I will not fail. <laughs> and, and you can't not fail. He says, um, he says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so maybe it's not a stretch to say, like, the enjoy, like spending time enjoying God, the enjoyment of God would make us stronger. And it's stronger on the inside, and it's stronger to engage in spiritual warfare and to be more spiritually resilient on the inside. I heard a lady once, she prayed, Lord, strengthen my spirit. Strengthen my, my spirit, man, so that I can resist the enemy. And I was like, that's a good prayer. <laughs> I like that one. And it feels like, no, I, I would turn on some loud worship music and get shouty and resist the enemy. And, and I just felt like what he was saying was like, hey, what if spending time enjoying me actually strengthens you on the inside? And I think it goes back to that, like, hey, why don't you hydrate yourself and eat something? <laughs> That's true for our spirit man, too. Um. I did not put this in here, but we were praying about it. You know, Job, not Job, no, Judas. You know, he betrays Jesus, and then where do you find him? He's by himself, and he's, you know, trying to return the 20 pieces of silver. And they're like, they totally, of course, they want Jesus dead. They don't care about this guy at all. And, and then he, he kills himself. But Peter, um, you see Peter with, back with his friends. You see him back in the congregation. He went back to people. Um, and Jesus restores him on the beach. Peter actually went back to his job. He, he went back fishing. That's where Jesus had called him from. He had been fishing. And he's, so he goes back to fishing, catches a fish, and he counts them. I don't know why. That's in the Bible. It's like 153 fish or something. I counted. Put it in the Word. And um, I'm sure there's a reason. I don't know what it is. And then Jesus, he cooks for them. He feeds them. And then he has a hard conversation with Peter. You know, like, we have to be careful. <clears throat> Again, in, the, in these seasons, if the Lord is like, hey, I want you to, like, I want you to eat. I want you to drink. I want you to, it is not, um, it's not lavish or a waste for you to spend time letting me fill you with my love because you might have something coming up that you need that, that kind of oil inside of you to make it through that night. There, you don't, we don't know what night is coming for each of us. Um, I just wanted to talk about the Sabbath as well um, because I think of enjoyment equals rest. And that doesn't necessarily mean not moving, but rest from something like I left laundry at my house yesterday to leave my house and go do something I enjoyed, right? Like, so that I think there is this correlation to um, enjoyment and resting from some kind of activity. Um, <clears throat> there's two things, Exodus 
This is longer than I thought. I'm sorry. So the, here are the two parts where it talks about um, the Sabbath in in um, Exodus 20, verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your sons, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle. Don't make your cows work. Nor your stranger... Who is within your gates? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blesses the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He made it holy, set apart one day a week. And then Deuteronomy, there's another piece of it that I wanted to highlight, and it talks about it again in Deuteronomy. And this is chapter 5, verse 15. So it, um, it reiterates what I just read, and then it says, And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so um, just the things that I see is like we're supposed to remember it. Hey, um, remember it, that you're supposed to keep it holy. It's supposed to be separate. You're supposed to remember that you once were a slave, and you're supposed to remember the Lord's salvation. Um, And he was just talking to me about this idea of keeping the rest that he's called us to is being holy. So like I said yesterday, I went and did something that I enjoyed. And... I was like, God, I know this is not the same as what I prayed because I felt, I felt when, I, when I prayed that prayer, I know it was just like a sentence that I repeated like two or three times. But there was something in that that isn't thrifting, you know, or like getting a fancy coffee. Um, and like I came home and I turned like a TV show on and was doing something, you know, that felt kind of indulgent, you know, that I might. And I turned it off because I'm like, I don't know, God's trying to talk to me about this diff- some kind of different enjoyment. But that's not it. So I just, I turned that off. And then he, uh, he just started talking about this idea of like making the Sabbath holy. And, and then here's my list of questions that he was just talking to me about that he might want to talk to you about. When I think of joy and enjoyment and rest... Do I ask amiss for it, that I might spend it, spend it on my own pleasure? The answer is yes. I, I mean, we're human. So I will answer that one for you. When you are like, I need a break. I need a break in the pressure. I need a break in my schedule. Or even just like, I'm so tired, I'm not sleeping good. Like, I need, a, I need some kind of break. Are we asking amiss for it? Do we have a thought of what is rest and joy and pleasure that is amiss? And so when we ask for it, this is the next question. Does my lack of enjoying God lead to wars and quarrels? That felt, I don't know, that felt profound to me. Does my lack of enjoying God lead to wars and quarrels?
what do I mean and what am I asking for when I want rest? What does that mean to me? How, um, how do you make rest holy and set apart? Unless you make it boring. Boring equals holy. <gasps> you know, if you're holy, you put more clothes on and you're ugly. Less makeup. And if you're holy, you don't do that. And you don't do that. And you don't do that. And if you're holy, you, you know, well, how does rest get holy unless it's just boring? And I've, I'm asking myself this because I went to some thrift stores and it was fun and I enjoyed it. And I had a TV show on and I could have watched the second episode. And so we might have a problem with what we have, find pleasure in. And that's, that's not surprising, right? What if I don't find a Sabbath rest very enjoyable? What if I don't want to do that? What if I don't like it? Um, I just want to point out the war that is being raged um, in the spirit realm against rest. Um, in Exodus 3, because he, he asked us to remember um, this idea of the Sabbath rest, to remember that we were once slaves, and that's not just Israel, that's us too. Hey, take a break, because I want you to remember the bondage that you were in, and you're not in that anymore. Um, this is the promise that God gave to Moses at the burning bush. This is Exodus 3, 7. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hizzites and the Amorites and the Perizzites, Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay, you heard that, right? I'm sending you to him. You're going to bring them all out. Not only, they will not be slaves anymore. They are going to go way over here, and they're going to live in their own place. However... If we move to uh, chapter 5, let's, the first conversation that uh, Moses has with Pharaoh. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went, Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go. Not away from you, all the way over here. Just let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh says, and my commentary pointed out that um, he didn't ask Pharaoh. He told him. God said, let my people go. And that just offended, just that little change. Maybe if he had asked nice, Pharaoh would have just let them go out and do, um, you know, yeah, sure, go worship your God and come back. You know, they were flexible like that, apparently, with this idea of, you know, your God, my God, whatever, God's. Um, but it's because he, he told him, like it was a fact, that God is saying. He says, 
Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. They're not asking him to completely leave and go to some other place. He's saying, we're asking you for what we would now call like a Sabbath rest, like a time to leave sanctify ourselves, go out and meet with our God. And implied is that they would come back. And he says no. And, and the reason he says no, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labors. And then he, like this harsh judgment on them about straw and bricks and all this. And then if you skip over to verse 17, it says, but he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go out and sacrifice to the Lord. Like there's this accusation against rest and worshiping God that is the devil. I'm almost done. I'm getting there. There's a spiritual war against entering into the rest of the Lord. Um, enjoying God is like, like if you entered into a room and like walked all the way to the back wall. <laughs> you know, it's not just the doorstep. It's like coming all the way in. Because I would say typically when I'm like, I'm remembering I need to enter into the rest of the Lord, what I'm asking for is like, God, I want to put my worries down for a second so I can breathe and I know I'm okay and that you have this covered. But we're still having that conversation. <laughs> like, I am still aware that there's a trouble. And, and, and I think this enjoyment of the Lord is like all the way into where it's like, like it's somehow the trouble is back there somewhere. Like I have, there's a, a, a genuine deep break. You know, it's like taking a cat nap compared to like deep sleep at night. It's, it's a deeper rest, which is I completely can just look at you and enjoy this. You know, like Daniel sitting next to me holding my arm is just like, I, I like being here with you. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm not tense. I'm not, you know, nervous and anxious and you're telling me it's okay. And that's great. I mean, we need the Lord to do that. But this is something else. And it's a place that I'm realizing I do not get to very often at all in my walk with the Lord. And I don't just mean this season. I just think it's a new thing to kind of, that the Lord is wanting to open up for me. Um, there's um, years ago... Um, we, were, we were at a CC thing and they were talking about basic child development and this idea that when kids are little, there is a stage of development where they are really good at, you know, like memorizing things and, you know, kid, the kid that knows every dinosaur name and, you know, just the name of every kind of truck, that kind of thing. Um, and then they move beyond this gathering of information into the place where, um, they annoy us so much, this, like, middle school age, like, pre-middle, like, that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade age, and they're so annoying because they're so self-centered. 
And, and this teaching was super important to me and the patience that I had for my kids because it pointed out it's not always a spiritual issue. It is a developmental issue because as little kids, they gather all this information. And then at some point, you're figuring out your place in the world and how everything, how you relate to everything. And there is a time period where it is everything revolves around me. And it feels that way, but that it's a normal part of hopefully your kids are moving through it. If they're not, then there probably is some genuine selfishness. But it's, there's this thing, and then they move on, and they can lift their eyes up. Um, all, all people, all people. We're able to lift our eyes up and see the world around us, and, and, and it stops being so much like everything's revolving around us. And, and so that is kind of what this is reminding me of. Like, I know there's a deeper depth to entering into the rest of the Lord that he's calling us into. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to go to Psalm 16, and then I will pray. And then probably you could start coming up, Stephanie. If you like to. If you don't like to, okay. Because it's a light burden and an easy yoke, folks. Um, it says, therefore, my hope is, my heart is glad and, and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope. For you will not leave me in Sheol, my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life in your, pres- in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Um, and that this is, uh, this is an invitation. I just felt like, hey, I'm going to tell you what the Lord is leading me to start praying about right now in this season. And, and that is kind of confronting the fact that I, I, I'm not kind of going in and out of this place of enjoying his presence, maybe very much at all, um, and that I'm deficient. And it's actually uh, weakening me um, spiritually to not do this. Um, so I'm going to pray. Um, Lord, I just, I just pray that you would take the one-liners that we know, things like, um, in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Um, and you would just lead us from the glory we've experienced unto the next glory, God, um, that this is, this is progressive. And just thank you, Lord, for the, the progression of our sanctification. Um, the way that you're transforming us, but also, God, that you are leading us forward in experiencing your love, enjoying your presence, enjoying what we're going to be doing forever, God, that you um, have streams of worship and praise and thanksgiving that you are longing to open for us that are kind of damned up right now. So, God... Um, I am asking for just a move of your Holy Spirit to open the floodgates of worship. Um, open, Open the book of thankfulness, God, that we would read it with you and our hearts would sing. Um, Lord, where we have limited the ways that we 
need to be changed and, and you're just trying to talk to us about some other things that you are trying to tell us we're deficient in. Give us um, understanding. Help us to understand what you're saying and give us tender hearts to just receive the fullness of what you have for us. In Jesus' name.